thank you for coming to the afternoon meeting. It is a high privilege to uh, welcome Miranda back here to this church and especially to our camp meeting. Uh, we heard her here, uh, what, two months ago? And we were really thrilled with what we heard. And we thought it would be nice to bring her back to allow the people that are coming to our camp meeting to also hear as well. And uh, it's powerful. It's wonderful with what's going on. I have some pictures here. And I told her to bring some stuff so that the people would have something to take home. Down there on the piano, there's some brochures and things like that. There's one here with her picture on it. And she is with uh, Asia for Jesus. That's the group she's associated with. And so she's going to talk to us more about that. I have some pictures here that will be displayed. I'll have them in the back here that you'll be able to see what their goal is. The Lord has opened up uh, for um, a boarding school to take place under her ministry there. And that the government is actually allowing that to take place. So you're going to hear more about it from her. I don't want to steal her thunder here. But uh, it will be wonderful with what you're going to hear. Also, the messages today have been recorded as well as last night and yesterday. And we uh, supply them free to you. And if you'd like to give a donation towards it when you receive it, that'd be great. It just goes to this media ministry so that it can continue going. And so if you're interested in uh, any of the sermons that you've heard or any of the messages, this will be on the back table. And you can just fill it out, put your name in that, and we'll make sure that you get the, uh, the DVDs, I guess, or audio, either one. All right? So at this time, I'm going to turn it over to Miranda. At the very end, I will come back up, and we will take an offering for Cambodia. Like I said, we usually just take one offering for our church here for this camp meeting, but we've chosen this year to support this ministry that she's doing. So I hope that God will freely bless you as you hear the message and that you'll be willing to freely give. Okay, Miranda? i going to grab my computer. Better turn this on. Am I on? Okay. Happy Sabbath to everybody. I'm glad we could make it back here. We had a little difficulty on the way. We meant to be here earlier yesterday, but we had some car difficulties and didn't get here for like another eight hours or something. And so, uh, as I'm beginning here, my dad's actually going to be handing out a brochure and then my full testimony typed out um, for you guys to read. I'll only be sharing a part of it. And while he's handing that out, I'm going to introduce Jesus for Asia a little bit to you. And then when he's done handing those out, we'll pray together. Um, Jesus for Asia Ministries is um, a large... Um, ministry has over 50 projects in Asia, including uh, projects in India, uh, Myanmar, Thailand, Nepal, Cambodia, Indonesia, and Philippines. And um, they're getting ready to enter two more countries as well, and I'm not actually sure which ones those are. Uh, our goal for, from Jesus for Asia is that Jesus for Asia exists for one purpose, to take the good news of Jesus Christ and his care for humanity to the uttermost parts of Asia. We do this by reaching out to the lost and by calling the church to partner with Christ in this endeavor. In other words, we do mission and we advocate for believers to do mission, all for the sake of the joy that is set before us. So this is Jesus for Asia. We support the church and we work along with the church in the countries where we have projects. 
um, they're still handing those out a little bit, so I'll just let you know we're leaving this evening, but we can answer questions up through supper time. So I'll just tell you this before. We've enjoyed the messages here, but we're sad we have to get back. My dad has to get back to work. Okay. Let's just pray real quick before I get started here. Dear Lord, I just um, am so grateful that we could be here today together to fellowship and worship you. We know we have one purpose, Lord, and that is to glorify you and that you'll be glorified throughout the entire world, Lord, for your second coming. And I thank you for what you're doing here in um, this part of Washington and for what you're doing around the world, Lord. I ask that we could all work together to further your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. This last April, something happened that shifted my mindset and my focus in life and in ministry. And it wasn't just me who experienced this, but we had 11 um, young people, 10 of them, one being me, 10 of them from Cambodia, that came to Badambang, the city in which I live in Cambodia, and my director Jesus for, from Jesus for Asia, John Wood, and Jem Castor, who is a prayer coordinator for ASAP Ministries, came and met at my house with me and these 10 Cambodian young people. And these Cambodian young people, we called for them to come because we're discouraged. The church in Cambodia is not growing, it's declining, and it's an unreached country, and the Adventist presence that is there has fallen from 6,000 to 3,000 members within the last um, number of years. We are young people that are really hoping that something can happen in this country, and as we've been praying about it, God provided this time for us to meet together with um, these two spiritual leaders, John Wood and Jem Castor. And they came and we met at my house in an upper room. I had an empty bedroom at that time. I, I didn't have my roommates there. And so we took the beds out and we all sat on the floor for two days. And what all we did was, we, t we talked about the needs, we talked about our discouragement, and then we looked to the word of God and we prayed. And we prayed for two days and talked. And when we finished, we didn't have any plan. We didn't know what God was going to do. But we had shifted our focus in our mind. And we realized that it wasn't us. And there was nothing that we could do in and of ourselves but we did find out what our goal in life and our goal in ministry was going to be. A couple days later, after John left and everybody had gone back to their respective homes in Cambodia, John Wood messaged us in a Facebook group chat um, and he said, I think you guys should go to PYC. So PYC is Philippine Youth for Christ. It's a lot similar to GYC, but it's in the Philippines. And 
these young people are not wealthy people. They're, they're, it's a very poor country. And to get to Philippines for all um, 11, it's going to be about $5,000. And so to get there, to come back, and to get four passports for those who didn't have passports. So we were three weeks until it was time to go to PYC. So we had three weeks to get passports, get tickets, get money. And, and so we just started to pray. And first we got some funds. We, we sent the four who didn't have passports to get passports. They ended up getting their passports back right before it was time to go. One of them got it back when he got to the airport. Somebody met him at the airport to give him his passport so he could get on the plane. Um, we bought tickets to go, and we thought by the time we get there, we'll have funds to buy the tickets to come back. But then we found out that Cambodians cannot go to the Philippines without a return ticket. So we had to get the return tickets before they left. So it was the Friday night before the Sabbath night that they were going to fly out. They were flying out after Sabbath, Sabbath night. And we didn't have return tickets. So that Friday before that evening, um, our director in the United States, who was, it's later here, uh, he purchased the tickets in faith. We didn't have the funding, but he purchased the tickets. And the next morning, he woke up Sabbath morning, his time, and they were completely paired, paid off. All the return tickets were paid off. So Amen. we got to go. We were debt-free. And they got joined together with about 1,000 other Filipino young people to worship and learn how to do outreach with other young people. They learned there. They were there from the time it was setting up to when it was closing. They wanted to learn everything about running a convention so that they could potentially do it in Cambodia when they got back. Three of them got up and shared our testimony of how they were able to come. And these young people even gathered together their personal funding that they had brought. And they gave as much as they possibly could as an offering to PYC. They were on fire to see what God was going to do. And then they ended up inspiring our Filipino young people because they were so passionate about going back and taking the gospel to a country that didn't have it. Philippines has over a million Adventists, so it's a green zone in that area. But the Filipino young people, they get up at 5 o'clock every morning to pray together. You have hundreds of people gathered together, young people, to pray. And the last day, they get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and pray for two hours. And the last day when they got up and prayed, they made a point to have all the Cambodian young people, us 11, and then Cambodian workers, there were a couple of us there, to come in the center, and they laid hands on us and prayed for us. And they wanted to give that as their gift before we went back to Cambodia. So now those young people in Cambodia are back in Cambodia, and they're having their own youth convention on November, and some of the Philippine young people are going to come and join and have a missionary experience over in Cambodia. But the shift that happened in these young people's brain that took them from discouragement to something that they could hold on to was that their only purpose in life was to glorify God. In this uh, really good book, uh, it explains the purpose of the church. And it says, the church is God's appointed agency for the salvation of men. It was organized for service, and its mission is to carry the gospel to the world. From the beginning, 
It has been God's plan that through his church shall be reflected to the world his fullness and his sufficiency. The members of the church, those who he has called out of darkness into his marvelous light, are to show forth his glory. The church is the repository of the riches of the grace of Christ, and through the church will eventually be made manifest even to the principalities and powers in heavenly places the final and full display of the love of God. So the church was organized for service, that is the purpose, with its mission being to carry the gospel to the world. And through doing that, it will show forth the glory of God. And that will be the full display of God's love. Amen. When this is our focus, God's love is seen among us. When we're asking for the outpouring of his Holy Spirit, when we're asking for unity, when we're asking for these amazing blessings, why are we asking? It should be asking only to glorify him. Isaiah tells us in chapter 43, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant, who I, am cho I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and have saved, and I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. In Isaiah 42, he says, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and I will hold thine hand, and will keep thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. There is a lot of darkness in this world. And then in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, we get stuck on this verse, I feel like, sometimes. It says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. And we tend to stop there. But the reason that we are this chosen people is so that we can show forth the praises of him who hath called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. We have been given something so that we can give it again. And if we've been given that, we have to think, what about them? There are over 17,000 people groups in this world. It's a lot of people groups, a lot of languages. And there's 7,000, more than 7,000 that are unreached. So that's more than 40% of people in this world are unreached. And I, I read a statistics the other day by Todd Johnson, and it said that of the unreached in this world, Buddhists, Hindus, and Muslims most especially, 86% of them do not have a relationship at all with any Christian. I just, I just think about how many Christians I know. And then I think about People like in Seattle. When you walk down the street in Seattle, you can hear multiple different languages, and it's amazing. I love walking down those. You hear everybody talking, and you, I just wonder where they're all from. But those are the types of places where people can learn about Christ, because they're close to us. And then all those people, or a lot of those people in these cities, 
have family in very dark countries. I think there's two. Okay. And this is just a little idea to show you that we live in a very green zone and there's a whole lot of red zone that doesn't have any of us there. So most of the people living in that red zone won't meet a Christian in their life. The pastor talked about love this morning and how love spreads. I have it, I have it in my, I wrote it down. About how love cannot exist without expression. It must be shared. It gives choice and free will. I want to give them more choice. Because they don't know they have one. It's willing to take risk. And it prepares or it plans for a future emergency. Okay, so now I'll share my testimony, how I got into this. It'll be a shorter version. You have the longer version there. I'm going to get a drink, though. I'm struggling with allergies. I grew up in Miles City, Montana. Miles City is a very small town. Uh, there's not a lot of big cities in Montana in general. But um, we grew up on a farm most of my life and we're homeschooled. Grew up pretty much in the Adventist church. My parents came into the Adventist church when I was young. And when I was growing up, my mom would read us mission stories sometimes and I just fell in love with the idea of missions. And um, it was a long process to, to get me to, to actually go in there. But uh, when I was 15, my parents finally decided that it was time for me to go on a mission trip. So they took me to Honduras and my sisters. And my sister and I co-preached an evangelistic series. And when we were there, I just, I just loved it. The idea that there were people and, and there was something that I could actually do. I don't know about young people, sometimes in churches here you don't find things you can do, but when you're there and there's people that don't know and you just see them everywhere and, and that's, your, that's the group of people that you're put around, then there's, there's something for you to do. And it just, I, I love that, that whole idea of being able to do ministry. And so I just was praying, I wanted my parents to send me to the mission field like right then. I was 15 and they said no. Um, so I was just praying and I, I wanted to know that God had something for me to do, that I had a purpose. And I ended up uh, having a dream after a, a number of months of praying. And in my dream, uh, I was walking towards my home, down the road towards my house, and a very tall, shiny man appeared. And I was immediately kneeling, I was frozen, I could not speak and I couldn't breathe. And he told me to find a missionary group in Tennessee and a man named Elder Wood. And then I woke up and I just, I knew it came from God. I went in, I woke my parents up and I told them about this dream and I told them we had to go to Tennessee, we had to find this man. 
And they said, you, you can't go to Tennessee and start looking for somebody. You're 15. And so my mom told me, if this is from God, he's going he's gonna to make it happen. He'll show you this, this person. And so I remember this dream, and just for, for years and years, I just talked about this dream. I would look it up on Facebook, on the Internet. I would type in Elder Wood, missionary groups in Tennessee, Elder Wood, all different kinds of word combinations so that I could find this group. And it came up with nothing for five years. And on the fifth year, I was already, um, I'd, I'd done a missionary training in, Bo in Belize and um, had gone to Cambodia for a short-term mission trip. Um, so I'd done some other missionary work, and I was colportering to raise funds to go with AFM as a student missionary. And while I was colportering, my, my friend contacted me, and he said, you have to come to faith camp. I don't know if any of you have heard of faith camp. Um, it happens usually in, east, in uh, eastern Washington. But I told him, I'm too busy. I'm colportering. I can't go anywhere. Um, I have to raise funds. I have to get ready. I have to go to training so that I can go as a missionary. And he just kept telling me over and over again about this thing. And I started to wonder, like, why is he telling me so many times? And so I told my mom one uh, weekend when uh, we met her uh, during colporting. And, and I said, he's, he's texted me. He just texted me again about, about this camp meeting. And I said, I, ca I can't go, Mom. He keeps telling me. I don't know why. And she said, well, who's speaking at this camp meeting? So I hadn't looked it up, so I clicked on, on the link, and I looked it up, and the first name on the list was, his name was John Wood. And just that name was like, okay, that's the first Wood I'd ever met. So it said he was the director of a missionary organization called Jesus for Asia. And so then I looked up this Jesus for Asia website, and they were based in Tennessee. And so then I asked my friend about him, who'd actually gone on a mission trip with this group, and he said, yeah, everybody in India calls him Elder Wood. So I found him, but he didn't know who I was. So my parents told me how to write him a letter. So I wrote him a letter. In the letter, I explained, like, I was doing mission work. I was going as a missionary already with AFM, but I'd had this dream about him five years before that, and... I was, I was just sure he was going to think I was crazy. And just, just some, you know, lots of people message you on Facebook. And, and I was just sure he was going to think I was nuts. And so um, I sent it to him. I wrote out the dream, told him exactly what the dream was, and that I was told to find him. I'd found him, and I didn't know what to do about it after that. And he wrote back that it had been, it had, it had been a huge blessing and reproach um, to him and to his ministry because they were planning to cancel that camp meeting and not do it because he didn't think they had the funding, he didn't think it was worth it to put it on, and so they weren't going to do it. But because I, I, I messaged him, he said they're going to do it, and they invited me to speak and share about my things so I could finish my fundraising to go with AFM. So I ended up going. Um, I got out of coal portering a, a week or so early so that I could go to that. And I went and spoke there. God blessed. I ended up raising the rest of my funds to go as a student missionary. 
And they also ended up raising $125,000 over that weekend. A tiny little camp meeting at Upper Columbia Academy. So God does amazing things. And after I was, I, I was done with that, I went to AFM, did my training, went for a as a student missionary for a year, told them from the beginning, I'm going to have to go with Jesus for Asia after I finish this year. I, I have no choice. And so when I finished, I just sta I stayed working in Cambodia and didn't exactly know what was going to happen at first. Was, but I, uh, I talked to another person in Cambodia who works with Jesus for Asia, Tim Maddox, um, Salt Ministries. And he told me to go and talk to the president of the Cambodia Adventist Mission. And when I went to talk to the president, uh, it was to be about a school project. It was on their strategic plan, and I went and offered my services, and uh, eventually Jesus for Asia services. So we made a contract with them, and so now Jesus for Asia is partnering with the local mission there to build the sporting academy. So I'll show you a video first, and then I'll talk about it a little bit. Church members will see the importance of sharing 
the gospel with their neighbors and with their family. My hope for this school is that students that come to me seven years will come from all over Cambodia and when they leave, they'll be able to be a light in the community and when that happens, people will start to know about God or have an awareness of God that they weren't able to have before. They might get an understanding of Jesus from the students that come here that we don't have to forgive them because we don't have enough pastors, we don't have enough church funds, we don't have enough funds or missionaries to reach everybody. But when we bring young people and they go out and have their own families or have their own work and travel throughout the country, they become witnesses everywhere they go. We are so grateful and thankful for uh, donors who think of Cambodia who really need education for the children and this is very opportunity for children especially those who finish the elementary school and then they don't know where to go and then they have this school and I have very very uh, very thankful for for donors who think about our people think about our children who in the future will be the one who can help our children grow So that's a little bit of an introduction into the school project. This is um, when Architect finally drew up some plans. We got um, our land this last January. We have about 31 acres. And so that this is like set onto that land. But we're going to start with just those six classroom buildings in the middle. And if we have that, we can start teaching. So. That's, that's our, first, our first goal. We can start doing something there. And then there's, there'll eventually, hopefully, be an administrative and multi-purpose center and then dorms. Um, there'll be gardens. We want to have agriculture as part of our work there and um, training them in evangelism and outreach and all of that great stuff that's necessary for our young people to learn. Uh, the reason we need to have this school in Cambodia is that we have elementary schools there that teach in the Cambodian language that are Adventist schools, but we do not have a place for all those students to go and study once they finish sixth grade. So when they finish sixth grade, they end up usually having to go back to a public school, um, and in the public schools, they don't have Sabbath free. So Sabbath is required in their studies, or they can fail them. Also, testing is done on Sabbath. So the government there um, told us that the way to deal with this problem is to build schools. So they can't let them out of Sabbath attendance, they can't let them out of Sabbath tests, but we can have our own schools. And, and that way they can, they can be free to worship and um, free to keep the Sabbath and learn what it means to truly keep the Sabbath. Um, it's hard for young people there because it's a newer church. It's only, the mission's only been around since the 90s. So their parents are often first-generation Adventists, and they see the struggle. They want their kids to get an education. So we, we want to be able to hold on to these kids until they're adults so they can have a, a pure 
study and until they're old enough that they can have their, a full understanding of the gospel, of the reason for Sabbath, of the, of the purpose of, of spreading the gospel to those around them. Because at this, at this point in the church, there's a lot of uh, bending of the rules, I guess. And, and it's allowable for them to go to tests. It's allowable for them to go out and um, not come to church on Sabbath and to go to school or even work for some families. So we, we want to start to change this culture a little bit, if possible. We also need the Khmer uh, language at our high school because most of these kids uh, don't speak English. Most people in Cambodia don't know English. The reason JFA is helping is because the mission doesn't have the funding. So me coming to the US and speaking and sharing about this uh, is just because they can't do it. They can't send people from Cambodia to come to wealthier areas to ask for help. Um, over there, tithe per capita per year is about $34. So they can barely keep, they can't even keep themselves running. They have to have, they have to rely on um, other ministries to help support the church to even run there. So far, we've purchased the land. We're starting to work on clearing landmines and anti-tank mines. The land right next to ours, they just cleared it and it had two anti-tank mines. So we wanna make sure we clear our land before we do anything, uh, anything there. Um, we're also gonna, our next, we're starting hopefully this October, we're praying uh, for the funding, but to start training teachers. Yeah. And I'll talk about that a little bit in a minute. And then we're also working to start building. So that's the, the goals. These are our five teachers that have already signed up before I came to the US earlier this spring. So uh, all of them are wanting to become teachers. They want to work at the school when they graduate. Our scholarship program, um, which I'll talk about a little bit more in a minute, will provide for them to be able to get an education to come in and teach at a high school level. So here's one more video about this. Teacher is a very important and they play a very important role in winning souls for God. If you don't train them very well to know our Adventist philosophy, our Christian philosophy of education, they may not well explain to the student about why we are Christian. And that is the very, very first step that we have to train our teacher first of all. To, to know about the purpose of education in our Adventist. It's not just to prepare the student for this world, but for the kingdom of God to come. We can see most student teacher in the future to be, they are not from Cambodian Adventist school, they come from government school. That's why we need to uh, have some person who take care of them during even their study at the university level so that we can uh, channel them into the right thought and the right thinking for the purpose of being a teacher in the future. The mission is assisting us in recruiting 
average young people from across Cambodia who have finished their high school and high school exams and are interested in becoming teachers and working uh, with the Adventist church. The teachers will come here and they'll study in university. They'll also study Adventist education classes uh, with us and with trainers that we bring in. They'll learn more about Bible study and outreach with uh, one of our local pastors and some of our team members. Overall, they'll just practice during their four years uh, their teaching skills as well as uh, their outreach and evangelism skills. We currently have five students who are signed up and we're looking to recruit more for this fall. Mostly we take the teacher who regular attending the church and trained by pastor and they know who we are, especially as a Christian. If I'm a teacher, I can share with those who are not Christians about what it really means to be a Christian. Like how to live like a Christian in relation with those who are not Christians, so that they can know how to be a witness and share their experiences with them. The reason that I want to be a teacher is that first of all, I love being a teacher. Second, I want to see that the children get broader knowledge and education. And I want Khmer children to understand how to share the gospel. To sponsor these students, it costs about $3,600 per student per year. And this covers their tuition, their living expenses, and a stipend for them to live on during their, their time at study. Our mission is a very small mission, and the tithe that comes in across the country uh, is very limited due to the low income rates of most of the members. So, most of the students that they do sponsor now are sponsored from outside resources or through the division. So these students wouldn't be any different. They would be sponsored uh, the same way from an outside source. By investing in these students to come to train to become teachers, uh, it's actually an investment in the future of the, the work in Cambodia and of the mission and the SDA message going to this country. I want to invite you to keep this project in your prayers and to prayerfully consider partnering with us financially to make this project a reality. So the teachers that will come to uh, be trained that this scholarship is for, they will attend a Cambodian university. We don't have an Adventist university in Cambodia. So the, for their teacher training, for their academic um, education, they have to go to a Khmer university. So they'll study in the mornings. In Cambodia, they study half days. While they're studying in the mornings, then in the afternoon, they'll come and they'll get Adventist education classes from us. There's another family that'll be there working with me, and they'll also have a dean that's living with them. And we'll all be working uh, with local pastors to help in training them in, in Adventist education, uh, Adventist truths, um, help them to Bible study, outreach, Bible working, um, probably some medical missionary work and understanding uh, of agriculture and stuff like that, so that they have a well-rounded 
understanding of the principles and the message that God has given us and the tools that he's given us to work with so that when they become teachers in this school, um, we have young people that are equipped to train other young people. Amen. Since it is a young mission, uh, most, of these, most of these are going to be first-generation Adventists. So they're going to be coming in, and at, some of them are not, you know, 18, 19 years old. In four years, they're going to be training high school students. So it's, it's a very young group. So keep them in your prayers no matter what. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's just to let you um, say it again, it's $3,600 per student per year. This covers their tuition and fees, um, their lodging, a stipend, um, and costs for trainers and materials to do the Adventist trainings for them. So for six, we're hoping to get another one before we, we finish. It's, it's $21,600 a year. And right now we've had a donor that's come forward and he's offered to match up to $10,000. So as people give to this project, he'll double it. So if somebody gives $1, he gives a dollar. So it's $2. If somebody gives $100, he gives $100. And so if we can match him all the way up to $10,000, that's $20,000. And that will cover us for this first year of, of training for these students. So we're excited about that. But all of this... It's just one project, it's just one place, and it's a lot of work, but it's the work we're supposed to be doing. And um, in this great book, Christ Object Lessons, we're told that our prayers are not to be selfish, asking merely for our own benefit. We're to ask what we may give. The principle of Christ's life must be the principle of our lives. For their sakes, he said, speaking of disciples, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified. The same devotion, the same self-sacrifice, the same subjugation to the claims of the word of God that were manifest in Christ must be seen in his servants. Our mission to the world is not to serve or please ourselves. We are to glorify God by cooperating with him to save sinners. We are to ask blessings from God that we may communicate to others the capacity for receiving is, okay, to others. The capacity for receiving is preserved only by imparting. We cannot continue to receive heavenly treasure without communicating to those around us. So if we look around and we see our church is dying, I kind of look to this quote. It says, the capacity for receiving is preserved only by imparting. Also, it says there for cooperating with him. The great commission, the word commission, is, is to be together with, with a mission. So, so and, the, and the word mission is like to throw out, to send out, to have a purpose that's together with God. So as we're cooperating, we're co-mission workers. So I, I don't think anybody who is a Christian, especially Seventh-day Adventist Christian, who has the truth of, that we were talking about, they cannot not be a missionary because they have all been called for mission and one purpose. Amen. So whether we're called to be here, we're called to be there, we all need to have the same mission and that is to glorify God so that his love can be seen in its fullness throughout the world and throughout the universe. 
Christ's followers have been redeemed for service. Our Lord teaches that the true object of life is ministry. Christ himself was a worker, and to all his followers he gives the law of service, service to God and to their fellow men. The law of service becomes the connecting link which binds us to God and to our fellow men. So it says there that Christ himself was a worker. If you think about it, Christ was like the ultimate missionary. And he came down to a foreign mission field, an unreached people group, and he only did ministry for three of those years. He didn't, he didn't get very far for the first 30. And, but the, those three years where he made an impact were rough years. And his entire purpose was, was reaching out, healing people, helping people, and he trained really 12. He only truly got 12, that or 11. But, and then they, then they killed him. So you think about missionaries that went to other countries, to dark areas, and then they're killed. It's not much different than what Jesus did. He came here and he died. But he did it for one purpose. And, it said, and this is what he said towards the, at the end of his life on earth. Uh, he said, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Amen. So as a church, when God comes a second time, we need to be able to say this. Amen. And God doesn't take away our part. We can't just wait until it all works out. He doesn't take away our part, or we're going to have to wait an awful long time. In Great, in great Controversy, it tells us that he was ready to come a long time ago, and then we weren't ready. The church wasn't ready at that time. So he's not going to take it away. He didn't, he's not going <laughs> to take that cup from us. He's, that's, this is our cooperating with him. It's him who does it because he sent his son to do it. But he cooperates with us so that we can be redeemed, so that we can have our lives changed, so that we're ready to go to heaven. In Habakkuk 2.14 it says, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. These are our promises. And then Isaiah 43, 5-7 I'm going to read it on my phone from, there's a King James version up here, but I'm going to read it from the message version because it's very simplified and it's just really beautiful. It says, so don't be afraid. I am with you. I'll round up all your scattered children, pull them in from east and west. I'll send orders north and south, send them back. Return my sons from distant lands, my daughters from faraway places. I want them back. Every last one who bears my name, every man, woman, and child whom I created for my glory, yes, personally formed and made each one. Amen. He wants them back. Amen. And we're told that you have an experience before you to gain you cannot be self-centered and be prepared for whatever work or responsibility, however difficult or dangerous, which is in Christ's line. Your eye must be single to the glory of God, and then your profiting growth will appear unto all. 
You need to empty every means of grave so that your love to God and to all with whom you associate may be pure and Christ-like. Then you will approve the things that are excellent and be filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Your Christian life must take on a different mold, else you will never see the kingdom of God. God wants us to glorify him. He wants to be glorified throughout this entire world. And we get to be part of that. God's really an amazing God, and he knows that glorifying him is not a selfish thing to do because it makes everybody else in the entire universe happy forever. Is there anyone, okay, have you ever come on anything quite like the extravagant generosity of God? This deep, deep wisdom, it's way over our heads, We'll never figure it out. Is there anyone around who can explain God? Anyone smart enough to tell him what to do? Anyone who has done him such a huge favor that God has to ask his advice? Everything comes from him. Everything happens through him. Everything ends up in him. Always glory, always praise. Amen. Amen. God wants us go home he wants us to be changed and if we do anything in his name ask anything live our life in his name to glorify him he'll do it it's promised God doesn't lie okay let's pray real quick Dear Lord, we thank you for the Sabbath again. Lord, teach us. Change our mindset. Change our goals. Show us in our daily lives what we can be doing for you that would glorify you today, this week, and in the weeks to come. Help us to learn how to love the way that you love and to plan and to find a way for this current emergency, Lord, that's in our world. Help us not to be selfish and help us to be open to imparting so that we can receive your blessings, Lord, more abundantly for the work that you have for us so that we can see your glory for eternity, Lord. Let's call this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Do you appreciate that message? Amen. Praise the Lord. This is your opportunity to reach out to Cambodia. You know, I was thinking of the message I heard this morning by Brother Keith Knoll. And if you remember the video clip, Schindler's List, right? How many did he save? Do you remember what it said? Over 1,100 people, right? Over 1,100 people. And the thing is, it came to him that he, he looked at the car he was saving. And he said if he would have given more... He could have saved more. Could that be possible that we could give, contribute to a group in Cambodia that we might save and be responsible for people's salvation? That your giving today can help build a school that will glorify God? 
I wish I had all the money to give. I would give it all, but I don't, nor do you. But what we can contribute and give, it would glorify God. And so we're going to ask for, a, take, have a prayer here, and we're going to take up an offering. And I was thinking, you know, uh, I want to find out more. I hope she's going to send us information. You know, here we have a student, and I mean a young person, going over and teaching people and uh, leading people to Christ and leading that country to know more about us as a people. And I think it's wonderful. And you can have part of that in her life and in these people's lives over there. And I hope that we'll be able to share in future camp meetings if time should last to let you know what's going on in Cambodia. I thank Miranda and her father for bringing her here. It was really nice. They traveled quite a distance, I think over a thousand miles to come here to share with you this message of what's going on in Cambodia. And uh, I think it's powerful. I think it's wonderful. And I want to be part of it. I want to also contribute to this ministry as, as life goes on. And if you're interested in doing that, please get the information down there on the piano and uh, follow up with it. And you can contribute during the year. I'm sure whatever you can contribute and give towards this mission field, it will be a glory to God. And He will be exalted. And uh, one day He's going to show you the wonders of what you've given. So at this time, while the deacon stand, and we'll ask for, take up a offering. Gracious Father, we do come before your throne again. We're, we're excited to hear what's going on in Cambodia. We're excited to hear that the government has opened up the door so that we can build a school that would be a glory to your name in Cambodia. We realize that the work is slow in Cambodia and that the people are poor and that there's less people today than there was years ago. But we pray, Lord, that there would be a revival that would come about. We pray, Lord, that the means that we contribute here towards this school will be a glory to your name. Help us not to be a selfish people, but a giving people. Help us to reflect the, the character of Jesus, that he gave his life for us, and what we can contribute and give to the work in Cambodia. Let it be to your honor. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.